This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Thank you guys for listening. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing Line. You can meet us at, meet us, you can see us at MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Type in the code Negro, save 10% on your next order. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I think by the time this comes out, it'll be Thursday, which means it's officially November the 1st, which means that yesterday or Literally the day I just got done with is probably still that day. It is Halloween, October 31st. Um, so I hope you guys are safe out there. Trick-or-treating. Hold on. Turn some shit off in here. Um, trick-or-treating. All the good stuff. Uh, don't eat all your kids' candy. Um, you know, if you guys have some cool outfits. I saw a couple of cool Halloween outfits on, like, Instagram. Of course, everybody going to be Black Panther. Shout out to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the white people that want to be Black Panther, but they're scared because they don't know what to do. Like they get confused because they're like, you know, is it racist if I'm Black Panther for Halloween? Then they think about it and they be like, is it racist if I'm not Black Panther for Halloween? You know, they get the little racial conundrum. But um, Halloween is a little interesting for me because it is uh, it's my grandmother's birthday as well, and my grandmother passed away last year. July the 18th, and today would have been her 91st birthday, so kind of one of the reasons I didn't rush to get this podcast done is because I just was in a mood, I kind of wanted to just chill out and, you know, talk to family, be with family and all that type of stuff, you know, it's still it's still new, it's still raw, you know, like I don't know much about y'all's families, but my family's kind of, everything happened at Granny's house, right? It was just an unspoken thing. Like Thanksgiving, Granny House. Christmas, Granny House. Fourth of July, Granny's House. Mother's Day, Granny's House. You know what I mean? And we don't think about it. We kind of take it for granted. And I'm not saying that in a bad way because I think we all did. It's not like we take it for granted in the sense of we didn't appreciate it. It's just that you just think she's always there. You know what I mean? Like Technically, I still feel like she had a few good years left in her. Um, It was just kind of a freak of events that that led her to being in the hospital and passing away last year. But I say that to say it's like, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, we think that this stuff is kind of going to last forever. And if there's one thing that I'm reflective on um, for her birthday and and earlier this year when it was like the one-year anniversary is, is focusing on that, focusing on the legacy, focusing on what the fuck am I going to leave behind, right? 
Like, I want kids. I want a wife. I want a family. I want to leave more than a last name, you know? I, I want to leave more than that. So these are the years. These are the times. Like, if you know, if you're wondering what the future looks like, the future looks like today, you know? Time is God. Don't waste it. So... I don't know. It puts you. It puts me in my bag, right? It makes me think of a bunch of shit. It makes me think of a, a lot of things as far as like, what's next, you know? And especially as an artist, because you're gonna have to make that decision between art and commerce. Like, all right, well, I have these ideas for these events. Maybe there's something that can come out with it. Maybe there's a project. Maybe there's music. Maybe you're a painter. Maybe you're a visual artist. And you know, somebody posted this meme the other day. Like, there's this meme that goes around. It's kind of like. Oh, you know, the woman that wrote Harry Potter. Like, she wasn't, it wasn't until she was 32, 33 years old before she wrote her first book. And it wasn't for, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson was 39 when he was in his first movie. Like, it's all these little stats about, like, hey, you know, it's it's never too late. It's somebody to respond to that meme with, but nigga, the rent's due now. <laughs> like, right? It's like as motivational as that shit sounds. Like, the rent is due now. And... That's the balance. That's it. That's all life is. Life is that balance. Life is that balance. It's like, all right, well, the balance between the shit I got to do to do the shit I want to do. And if you can figure out a way to make the shit that you got to do be the shit that you want to do, man, God bless you. You're in a great fucking place. And, and don't take that for granted. So, did that go? So, um... Nah, man, I know it's usually supposed to come out like Monday or Tuesday. It's just been, you know, one of those weeks since I knew my granny's birthday was coming up. It's kind of just chilled the fuck out. You know, took kind of like an off day yesterday. <laughs> like, I live in Columbia, South Carolina, so it's like we go to Charlotte for the next big city. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I joke with people from other places in South Carolina. They treat Columbia like it's like New York or whatever. But, like, Charlotte has, like, nicer malls than or nicer mall than all the ones we have in Columbia. So, like, I know we sound corny driving to Charlotte. Like, woo-hoo, you know, this country is shit. This mall got a Louis Vuitton store, you know. <laughs> like, I walked to that bitch and it's like, you know, me and my homie, we, like, trying out. Like, Louis Vuitton got these new colognes and shit and they're jamming. And I saw this dude at work there. He had like one of these Louis Vuitton um, phone cases, and my phone case is like fucking falling apart. Like it's, it's disgusting. Like it's like <laughs> you see like threads coming out of it. And funny enough, prior to all of that, like my shit kind of snapped, but I got like tape holding it together. Like it's a very, very like despicable looking thing. Like I, I'm ashamed of myself. Um, but I'm like, yo, I was like, y'all got these phone cases for iPhone Seven Plus? And the niggas like, oh yes, and he shows me the phone case. It's just like four hundred dollars, like nigga. <laughs> like I don't, I don't like my phone that much. Get the fuck out of here. So I just was like, oh, you know what? This doesn't have the pockets on it for the credit cards. Like it's not what I'm looking for. No, it goddamn well. <laughs> no, it goddamn well. That wasn't the reason why I didn't want it. It was like whatever, poor nigger. But um. Nah, it's kind of cool, man. You know, take yourself take yourself a vacation, man. I know work is crazy and shit like that, man. But go go to a neighboring city that's not far away and just get the fuck out of town for the day. It does something for you, you know? Like kind of a similar thing, even though we didn't go to the mountains or nothing like that. But there was a story that, that I read about 
And these kids, they lived in the inner city. I don't know what inner city they lived in. Let's just say Chicago, right? Because, like, anytime you watch some shit that's about an inner city, it's like, oh, Chicago. What about Chicago? But anyways, <laughs> let's say this was Chicago, right? And it's a bunch of kids where they're not performing well in school. They're failing and all this crazy shit. They're disruptive in class. And then they take them out to the mountains for, like, a few days, right? They come back. They're doing better. The grades improve. The more attentive in class, and there was a term that was coined that said those children suffered from nature deprivation syndrome, which I was like, whoa, right? Which is real, which is true. It's like sometimes if you go around a bunch of motherfucking trees, like you just feel fucking better because that's what the shit is supposed to do. You know, they take in what we give out, they take all our dirty laundry, which is our, you know, um, CO2. And we breathe in their dirty laundry like it's a natural thing, you know. Put a fucking plant in your house. If you ain't got no plants, put a plant in your house, nigga. <laughs> right? To all my, to all my, my fellow bachelors out there, get a plant. <laughs> like go to, go to IKEA. They got the, like the two dollar IKEA joints to get a plant. Shout out to IKEA too. There's some else we don't have in Colombia. So go to Charlotte. Go through IKEA. Don't know how the fuck to get out. You get lost in that bitch. Because every time you try to go towards the exit, you're at a different floor. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> here's a model of what your apartment would look like if it was efficient. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Here's some slippers. That's $2. Oh, wow. Here's a picture frame. Like, shout out to Ikea, though. Which, I need to take a bag and just go back in there and just rearrange all my shit. And it's like, Ikea is dope until you got to put that shit together. Like, I hear people talk about that shit because I've never bought much or anything from Ikea like that. So it's like I never know the headache of putting stuff together because, like, it always looks good in the shop or whatever. But, like, Ikea is basically a box, you know. So I'm not a huge fucking fan of all that shit. But, um, yeah. But, you know, I've been busy, man. Been been writing my ass off and working on some new music. Um, hopefully you guys get to hear that shit soon. Um, and, and I'm not going to be one of those people that's, like, going to be, like, I think it's so fucking corny with music when niggas be like, oh, coming soon. Oh, better wait for it. Just put it out. Just put it out. I don't give a shit. Just put it out. Like, I think the the music conversation has changed dramatically, right? It's like, like back in the day, I remember the Source magazine where Raekwon's Cuban Links got four and a half mics, and these niggas that write these articles, they sit on the albums for months before the public gets it, so they're able to absorb it, they're able to listen to it, they're able to ingest it, and it's like, you read those reviews in the Source back in the day, that shit was the holy grail, right? And also, it belonged to us. Like It was just like, the Source was kind of like, you know, was the Bible of hip-hop, because these other publications really didn't give a fuck about diving deep into the culture like that, Right. But the the brilliance of it was they got to sit with the records. And now the public, you know, they get everything at the same time. So the idea of anticipating an album doesn't exist anymore. It's like the pandemonium of an album dropping out of nowhere is the new version of anticipating something. Like, we don't anticipate anything anymore. It's just, it's nice to kind of be surprised, you know? So... So all your niggas out there that's trying to be like, oh, it's coming soon. Like, we don't give a fuck, man. Don't release singles. Don't do all that shit. Just put the record out. Put it out. Make make music. Do your work. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right? It's like one of the recent things I thought was really cool musically. Um, side note, the Fetty Project came out today. It's pretty dope. Shout out to Currency and uh, Freddie Gibbs. But I, um, I recently wrote a review for uh, the mid-'90s movie. 
And one of the things I thought was pretty like interesting, which I'm interesting to see. I'm interested in seeing what happens with this. But it's like Jonah Hill was basically saying that all these fucking songs that he wanted, if he was going to do a soundtrack for it, like he didn't have the budget to get that shit cleared. So what he did was he just partnered with Spotify and just made a playlist for it. I think that's going to be the new future of movie soundtracks, unless it's something like the Black Panther soundtrack and you got like a person or a crew curating everything. Outside of that, do a playlist. <laughs> like it don't cost anything. Like, you know, all the songs that you want on the playlist are probably within the Spotify library anyway. Fuck it, go for it. So, so it's also cool to kind of like do this one by myself again. Like shout out to Bobby. But um, you know, there's a bunch of movies that I saw that I couldn't fucking talk to his ass about because like these niggas don't watch movies, right? Um Midnight Mid-90s was cool. And I'm not giving any spoilers or anything like that. It was it was definitely overload with nostalgia and um, the review that I wrote I opened it by talking about there's an episode of Mad Men where Donald Draper was talking to you know some clients and he was basically like yo um, the definition of nostalgia is the pain of a wound that you can never have again like nostalgia basically means that you're never going to see this shit again it's gone you know, that's the definition of nostalgia, pretty much, you know? And so the movie kind of felt like that. The movie opens up, and it's like hip-hop music playing, like 90s hip-hop shit, and, you know, uh, the young little kid's older brother got, like, Source magazines and Jordans and a Mob Deep poster on the wall and, you know, gang star CDs and shit like that. So, like, for a nigga like me, it's like, oh, you know, um, is that enough to make the movie dope? Maybe not. But it was enough to kind of like satisfy me in a certain regard. So that you know, it it was it was definitely for nostalgia's sake. I love it because of that alone. It was shot with sixteen millimeter. It looked ancient and old and rugged, and there were really no real actors. Like all the skate kids were just non actors. And it was cool, you know. There's like there's only one thing that's kind of like funny. Like I was I was thinking about this the other day, it was kinda of like you know, they got black characters saying nigga all the time and shit like that. It's like, uh, written by Jonah Hill. It's like, uh, how? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing weirder to be than, like, <laughs> white writers, like, putting nigga in their scripts, right? It's it's always a Tarantino dilemma, right? It's like, it's like is Tarantino so brilliant? That we disregard certain shit that, that he should have been called out on? Like... I was a kid when Pulp Fiction came out. And, you know, a lot of people, even Spike specifically, you know, Sam Jack's roles, he said nigga the whole movie. Nigga, 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 nigga. Then you got, um, oh, you got Ving Rhames, you know, dropping M-bombs. And so everybody was kind of wilding out because it was a white boy writing all this shit. That part, I don't think was the thing that bothered me as much as being a kid watching it for the first time because it came out when I was 11 years old and the dead nigga storage shit where Tarantino just says the word nigga like 30 times as Quentin Tarantino in the movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> right? And then like, the older I get, I watch these Tarantino movies, and he'll just like trickle niggas in the script. And it's kind of like, man, I, you getting a little too uh, too comfy with this, you know? There's like an urban legend that uh, on the set of Crimson Tide, because like Tarantino was like a script like, doctor, you know, studios have sent him scripts that might be too long or too fucked up, and he's supposed to clean it up. 
And Crimson Tide was one of those scripts that he cleaned up. So he's on a set. And apparently Denzel calls this motherfucker out. <laughs> like Denzel has some words for him. You know, this is like 91, 92, motherfucking Mo Better Blues, Denzel Washington, like like unstoppable Denzel. He's unstoppable now, but you know what I mean. So there's there's a story that like Denzel like cornered that motherfucker and like, you know, put a finger in his face like Chris Paul and shit. Like, yo, oh, you you think you're funny. You think you can use those words, hmm? Hmm? That's I have a terrible Denzel. But um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting, like, looking back at a lot of that stuff. Um, but, like, Mid-90s was a cool movie. There was a lot of holes in it that I didn't really like. Certain character arcs that, that I thought needed to be there. But overall, it was a pretty good movie. Um, shit, I've been seeing a bunch of shit. Like, I saw Star is Born. Uh, it's going to be really a lot of Oscar talk around it. Bradley Cooper is going to get nominated. I think Lady Gaga, <laughs> Lady Gaga is going to win uh, best actress, or best supporting actress. It'll at least probably win best a uh, best song um, Oscar. It was a fun movie. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody comes out today. I've heard terrible reviews, but shout out to uh, what is it? Salemic Remy. <laughs> Why am I confusing it with the producer that did shit with Nas? I don't know, but. Um, the um, old buddy from Mr. Robot, who's actually Egyptian. So, yeah, there you go. But, um, you know, it looks like a big fucking movie, video, movie, music video. So I'm interested in checking it out. You know, like, going to see movies is fun. I think it'd be kind of dope to kind of do kind of a podcast that's just dedicated to movies where I can just find people that I know that watch this shit and not just be on some shit where it's like watching new movies. I think <laughs> I want to do a podcast where it's like, we rewatch a bunch of old terrible black movies, right? Like we just sit and rewatch Fat Beach, <laughs> right? Tales from the Hood, right? Like, like I think that would be phenomenal. <laughs> like, like just awful black cinema. I think that'd be great. You know, find um Boss Nigga. <laughs> That's a movie for the seventies. There's a movie from the 70s called Boss Nigger. And uh, I don't know who did the soundtrack. It was one of these motherfuckers. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. I don't know who did the soundtrack. But it's like, he's a man. He's a man. Stanford was right. And whatever. He's like, you know how them 70s songs go. He's like, he's a boss. Boss nigga. We have to, I have to find that shit and put, put that shit in here. But this shit is fucking hilarious. Matter of fact, I might put it at the beginning. Yeah, I put it at the beginning of the episode. But yeah, this shit is pretty fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, so a couple of cool movies. Uh, I barely talked about Daredevil last time. It was kind of eh. Like, Bobby loved it. It was kind of eh to me. I'm in the middle of making a murderer right now, which is... <laughs> you want to feel, like, irritated with something. Making a murderer is basically, yeah, you know, here's some evidence that shows this guy may or may not have killed him. Did he kill him? I don't know. Have fun. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's totally unsatisfactory uh, binge watching because you don't know what the fuck you're watching and what's going on. So it gets kind of annoying. Um, what else is going on, man? <sighs> yesterday, I, I try to keep this kind of a Kanye free zone, but yesterday Kanye goes on and he's like, oh, you know, I was brainwashed and. I realize everything I said was used against me and my people. And he's kind of like, you know, kind of denouncing the Trump shit without denouncing him because it's kind of like, eh, okay. But I really don't care. 
I, I think it's a little too, too little too late. Um, it's like, man, it's an editorial that I'm working on now, but I'm not quite sure how to write it because I want to avoid being ultra cynical. And it's interesting talking about cynicism when I'm thinking about like my grandmother's 91st birthday because if I'm cynical, I can't imagine living when she lived. Like she was born in 1927. And she grew up. I mean, you know, her and her mom, they were basically like, you know, they would say, yeah, we had to we had to clean white people's clothes and work in white people's houses. And we're talking about the days, if we're talking about the thirties or whatever, niggas ain't had no washing and dryers and shit like that. So my granny and her mom, here's how they had to clean white people's clothes. They had to take the clothes to the fucking river and beat the dirt out with rocks. That's what they did. And the stories that I would hear about the poverty, about the racism, you know, living in the South during the Jim Crow era. I'm glad that she lived, and it sounds it sounds dumb, but I don't think it is. I'm glad she lived to see Obama get elected because that was like a big fucking thing for her. And I think that, you know, we're cynical because Trump is in office, or we can kind of say, and I kind of agree to a certain extent, there was a lot of bad shit that happened under Obama's watch too, you know? I know he had his hands tied with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Sandy Hook was on Obama's watch. You know, a lot of things that happened that helped the rising of Black Lives Matter happen under Obama's watch. You know what I'm saying? Um, but for my granny to see that shit, it meant a lot to her. So I'm glad that happened. I guess in a nutshell, I'm saying that if if she was able to have hope, I should too, Right? And I was trying to figure out what does hope mean. Because if you look at the first episode of, of, of Negro Lead, it was like after hope, right? That was the episode. And and it's kind of funny because like I kind of feel the same thing again. Um, or I kind of always felt the same thing where it's like, to me, the definition of hope, I don't give a fuck what Webster say, but to me, a definition of hope basically translates to you believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. That's it. That's it. That's that's hope at the core definition for me. Like at the fucking core of everything. Is tomorrow going to be better than today? And I was I was thinking of opening my article up, you know, talking about the midterm elections and we got some elections over here where, you know, try to get a democrat governor in South Carolina, which would be a big fucking deal. Um, Gillum in, uh, in Florida, hopefully that brother is the man right now. I love him to death. I hope he gets it. Um, you know, I remember <laughs> watching Tanehashi Coates was on um, Colbert. And Colbert, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, here's one of the things I think, right? Colbert is dope. Colbert is cool. Colbert is, you know, it's really great liberal guy, fellow South Carolinian. But I think there's something about liberal white folks that I don't think that they knew the Trump shit was possible. Like, black people in America, like, we, even though we hate Trump too, is that 
And I hope my my Google player <laughs> is it like you know how you got your like uh, your Google Plus shit? It'd be like all of a sudden you see something popping up on your phone, something that you talked about because they have a microphone on. So y'all can audit me if y'all want to, man. My credit's fucked up. Go for it. But black people in America, we know about shitty government. We know about politics that that is unfavorable to people of color. We know about all this stuff. This, so there's no surprise. That I think what Trump did, I don't think Trump surprised black people in America. I think Trump gave black people in America to show white folks what we've been talking about, Right? Like, we have to tell white America that all this shit that we're telling you guys about, we're not making this shit up, you know? We're not making up the the blatant racism. We're not making up the the level of, of disingenuity. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know what the fuck I said. But, like, the the way that the black and brown community is treated, you know, they've been putting people in fucking cages, man. Like we've we've been like, yo, listen to us, listen to us, and like we've always been told it's not that bad, it's not that bad. And there's been tons of politicians, regardless of the party, that they have to put that face up. You know what I mean? Like they they put the face up where they hide how bad it really is. And and Trump just doesn't have a poker face. He's just pure white id. He doesn't give a fuck because he's been rewarded for being just a, an asshole. Like, how's that going to change now? It's like when the pipe bombs are coming out and, he, and Trump is like, we have to unite together. Like, how, how the fuck is that guy going to talk about uniting people, right? I digress. But I say that to say that there's a level of hopelessness that I don't know if it's hopelessness, the thing that happens with black people with this, but I think that we've always operated under the ethos of we don't expect shit to get better but it's in our DNA to to fight for better, right? Like Nikki Giovanni had a great quote about the greatness of black people in America is that not just the fact that we're the only people in this country that came without being able to have our language, our cuisine, our culture, all that shit was stripped away. She said the fact that we survived was a decision that was made. That's why we're strong as fuck, Right? Like that's some deep shit, and that's that's buried in us. So, um, going back to Colbert, he's he, he has Tanahashi Coates on there, and, and Colbert's a great guy. He's dope. And sometimes I think these people ask black intellectuals certain questions to kind of make them feel better. And he asked Tanahashi Coates, like, "Do you have hope that things will get better, or do you have a hope for the future?" And Tanahashi Coates was like, "Nah," was <laughs> like, "No." <laughs> No, no. How could you see this shit and say, yeah, no. And Stephen Colbert's face, he looked so fucked up when Colt said that. And I think that's the realest shit that I've seen on television um, in the past year or two. You know what I mean? Because like, he was just, because he wasn't being, he wasn't being a dick. He, was, he said it so matter-of-factly where he's basically like, what, what's the indication that it's going to get better? Hmm. And so I feel like that. And I feel like this editorial that I want to write. Because the editorial I want to write is one of those, you got to get out and vote <laughs> type of shits, right? Because we always say that every election. Like, it's the most important thing. And, and, and when I was younger, 
I was a dreadlock, dead pres, listening to dashiki wearing ass nigga. That didn't fuck with white women yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 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 and and I and I embrace the idea of oh, voting is not important. Blah 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 blah. Or you know, we fought for the right to vote, so I can do what I want. You know, all that type of shit. You know, and and. And you get older, and you and you start to feel like, all right, I want to be more committed, more involved, and blah blah blah. And, and the irony is, the last presidential election, it was kind of like, oh, it really doesn't matter if you voted or not, because it felt like that the deck was fucked up anyway. I, I think Hillary won, but I think that the margins are so close that Trump shouldn't have been that close, right? The Chris Walk had this joke, or it really wasn't a joke, but it says Dad said this, and it was about black people, but I think it applies to this too, where he said. If a black guy is up against a white guy, don't ever have it close enough for it to go to the judges, right? Like if it's a like if if we're talking about a theoretical, not theoretical, but like a, uh, it, I'm using a metaphorical boxing match, right? It's a black guy versus a white guy. If the black guy and a white guy is sort of close, but the black guy is like you know he won, but it's sort of close. The judges will always fuck you. And so Chris Rock's dad was just like, if you're a black guy up against any of this, you got to knock niggas out because you can't argue with that. And that's basically what Obama did. Like He knocked niggas out like to the point where you can't fudge the numbers. Hillary operating as you know the black person in the equation, I know that's kind of funny, she, could, she didn't knock him out. So why wasn't there an opportunity for something to creep in? You know what I mean? Like that's And that's kind of... You know, one of the things about living in South Carolina, like like I'm in Columbia, so Columbia is a blue city, but South Carolina is a red state. Like we were the first state, the like the first state that called it for Trump. I remember, I remember that election night. We we're the first fucking state that saw that shit. It was like, oh, number one, South Carolina. Yeah, that's Trump. He's done. We ain't got to take the rest of these votes. <laughs> like he's done, <laughs> right? So that's why I feel like. Um, there's a few people that that, in hindsight, well, if you're looking at it, that you know, white women in droves were instrumental in getting Trump elected. Same thing that I feel about the Kavanaugh hearing, right? Is that is that you had like a white Republican woman that's kind of like you know I'm a back Kavanaugh, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff that teeters on white women in America that when they talk about the feminist movement. They don't mean black women. <laughs> they don't mean women of color. Like, there's no solidarity with that shit. Like, at the end of the day, they're going to go to a side that don't include us. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a woman, but I'm saying, like, it, theoretically, liberal agendas and women-related agendas you should coincide with a lot of stuff, right? Because there's a lot of theories or a lot of ideals where it's like, yo, women should be able to decide what they want to do with their bodies and and we need to be, you know, open to fair wages, equal wages and stuff like that. Those are really a lot of liberal ideals that fall under a lot of things that support women. I'm not saying that women got to be Democrats or anything like that, but, you know, the other thing that I think kind of fucked up the election with Trump was um, Bernie Sanders kind of fucked it up a little bit. Because I remember at the DNC convention, Bernie got on the mic after Hillary got the nomination. And that nigga was just like, yo, <laughs> I should be endorsing Hillary, but fuck that. Y'all nigga know who they're supposed to go to. There were more Bernie banners at 
the DNC that's supposed to give her the nomination than Hillary banners. And Bernie split the vote. Bernie split the vote. And I think that they didn't think it mattered because they everybody thought that there was going to be a landslide against Trump. They was going to fuck up Trump anyway. Um, I think that if they were smart, it should have been a Hillary Sanders ticket. I think that would have been that would have been the killer. If you had a Hillary Clinton Bernie Sanders ticket, that would have killed it. It would have been that would have been it. You know, so like even like a state like mine, where there's a governor's race, and 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 I think that if there's ever a chance for us to get a Democratic governor, a progressive governor, this is the time to do it because if we don't get it now, it's never happening. You know, like I said, South Carolina is a red state. So I'm saying all this stuff to try to convince myself to say, hey, man, there is hope. And maybe there is a, a, a point to all of this, you know. And, and maybe I think the, the, the point of the article is, who are we? Right? Like, it's not a nihilistic way of looking at it. Where nihilists are basically like, nothing matters. So why do anything? Why give a fuck? And to that, it's to a creed that makes sense to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that just eat that up and they just they embrace it. Go for it. So it's like, do I say that it's hopeless? Do I say that I don't see things getting better? Do I say that I have no faith in this shit? But still I carry on. And that's my granny. Like, my granny grew up at a time where, where women couldn't even have fucking bank accounts without their husbands, <laughs> right? There's no way that she could have seen things progress this much. Because when things are bad, they're really bad. Like, I can't imagine growing up in the Jim Crow South thinking, like, oh, shit's going to be better. And the thing about, like, progress in America is slow. It's slow. Like, justice is supposed to be fair, but it's never swift. You know, people talk about swift justice. There's no such thing as swift justice. Like, everything is slow. So, essentially, what you're doing, and anytime you do something like this, is that you're doing stuff for the sake of people that don't exist yet. You're doing stuff for the sake of being an ancestor. Like, yo, I'm doing this out for 50 years ahead of time. In some regard, it's a noble way of thinking about it. So, yeah. So is tomorrow going to be better? I I fucking hope so, man. If it ain't going to be better, God damn it, I'm sure going to fight to make it better, right? I hope we all do. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you guys had a good night. Hope you guys are safe. Um, kiss your loved ones, hug your loved ones. Granny, I love you. And um, y'all take care. Peace. I'll be